Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm. I'm all Shaw on assignment the rest of the week, sitting in the one and only Wes Reynolds. Welcome back, Wes. Good to be with you, Mike. You did a great job filling in the last time for a mall, and we're happy to have you back. Josh Towers will join the set. He'll make his triumphant return. He was out of town last week. He'll join us for the last 30 minutes of the program. I'm sure he'll recount how he willed his Yankees home last night <laughs> with the jo- Josh. Well, I'm glad he did because I was on the pinstripe side, and I, that was DOA about three different times in the game, so... Yeah, uh, our own Greg Hoops Peterson, our baseball expert at the network, had Yankees and, and over. So uh, the Josh Donaldson homer got his tickets home with Pinoche, yes. uh, as John Sterling said. Big news, uh, obviously, West today out of the NFL. The NFL and the NFL uh, Players Association reached an agreement on the Deshaun Watson punishment. 11-game suspension and a $5 million fine. First, were you surprised at all? I don't know if I was so surprised. I think maybe they were kind of trying to split the difference here because we've kind of thought, okay, six games, and then Deshaun Watson came out and said, hey, I'll take eight games, you know, (laughs) being magnanimous uh, Deshaun Watson here. But there were some that I think might have thought it was the full year, and maybe they didn't want to quite go that far, so they kind of seemed to split the difference here. Yeah, we, we had built into the number at Circa that he'd be out for the whole year. Mm-hmm. So then with the six games, we moved a little bit in favor of, of Cleveland. But then obviously Goodell appeals his own decision with his arbiter. Uh, in the markets, this is the most interesting thing to me, is how does how do the markets react to the Cleveland Browns? And I'm looking across the board. Their AFC North odds generally in the 320, 325 range have mm-hmm. drifted up around 380 now. Yeah. Not much real much movement on AFC and, and Super Bowl. And like you guys say, Met Metcalf and the crew mm-hmm. here at Circa had already priced that in, mm-hmm. I think. So you're probably going to see a pretty modest adjustment, I think, across the board. Win total, a little a little bit of an adjustment. In some places, they were at nine, uh, now down to eight and a half with juice to the under. So uh, mm-hmm. and maybe we see movement uh, closer to seven and a half. Of course, here at Circa, you can bet the alternate win totals. Had you made any futures on the Browns and or on the AFC North teams? I had not. I bet the Ravens to win the division. And this news, regardless of what the suspension length was, didn't necessarily change Mm -hmm. that. But I was kind of waiting on the Browns a little bit. Because if you look at this team, this is not a team that's devoid of talent. I don't think. I think, uh, look, they can run the ball with the best of them, even though they're starting to get those offensive line injuries again. Nick Harris, the center, already out for the season. So when they're healthy, they're one of the better offensive lines in the league, and everybody pretty much rates them as such. PFF, everybody else that does that, they're one of the better offensive lines. I think that's why they missed the playoffs. Not necessarily Baker Mayfield's kind of erratic play that we saw in 2021, but it was that the offensive line was just so banged up. Younger receiving core, even though they had Amari Cooper, but David Bell, I think, got a could be a real fine for them. Donovan Peoples-Jones, we kind of saw him come around late in the season. So defensively, they can rush the passer, of course, with Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney and uh, JOK and linebacker out of Notre Dame. So they've got some talent here. So that's why I don't think that you're going to see this massive adjustment in the Browns' uh, win totals or division numbers. 
How effective will Watson be? He would be slated to come back in week 13 against, against Houston. Against his, oh, I don't know if there's any uh, any uh, irony built into this suspension, but against Houston. How effective is it going to be? We saw him in week one after being off a year of the preseason be mm-hmm. absolutely awful. Do you think he will be effective stepping into that role in week 13? Or may even, if Jacoby Brissett has got this team close to 500, we see Jacoby Brissett take it through the rest of the year. Yeah, and it's interesting. Look, Brissett has been in this situation before, of course, when Andrew Luck retired about a week and a half, two weeks before the season a few years ago. And, you know, Brissett, I've always said this about him. He's good enough to not lose games for you, not good enough necessarily to go grab a game and win it for you, but he's a perfectly good, effective game manager, a very good guy that you can go to in a pinch. It's going to be more than a pinch now that it's going to be 11 games, but I'm interested to see because if you look at the schedule, at least early on for the Cleveland Browns, I think it's relatively manageable. Obviously, they go to Carolina. Baker Mayfield, of course, gets to face his old mates in week one, but you get the Jets at home, you get the Steelers at home, you get Atlanta on the road, who's probably going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Then it gets a little bit more difficult, but you get the Chargers and the Patriots there at home. So early on, the schedule at least is not so daunting necessarily for the Browns. I'd look at, you know, the AFC seems stacked compared to the NFC this year. You know, this is a reasonable price. I would look at a future here to miss the playoffs on the Browns at mm-hmm. minus one sixty-five. You look, you you figure that two of the wild cards might come out of the West. Yes, two out of the three wild cards, and then you'd have to be better than who's not the champion in the South, Indianapolis mm-hmm. or Tennessee. Although mm-hmm. I don't know if Tennessee hasn't taken a step back, and then you still have the wild cards in Miami and New England. So. It's tough to really make the AFC playoffs. You know, you're probably going to have to be 10 and 7. That middle third, by the way, on that schedule, not easy at all in terms of uh, having the division games, if we could just uh, get that back up. But where you go at Baltimore, Cincinnati at home, at Miami, at Buffalo, Tampa Bay, that middle third of the schedule is really maybe where a hurting is going to be put on Cleveland. So, yeah, when Watson comes back against the Houston Texans in Week 13, you got to think, okay, even if the rust is really short-lived, that it's going to be two or three weeks at least just to do that. I think that's why they were getting him at least some semblance of reps in the preseason. Uh, 11 baseball games today, Wes. Six of them go uh, before 12 at or before 12.05 Pacific time. One underway already. Cards looking to sweep uh, the Rockies up five to nothing here behind Adam Wainwright. Antonio Sensatella started for the Rockies today. Let's hit a couple of these 11 o'clock games uh, for the folks thinking about betting them before we talk about the, the, the uh, Thursday night football game. Interesting game here in Milwaukee. The Dodgers have taken two of three. Tony Gonsolin, great last night. Seven innings pitched, no earned runs, moves to 15-1 and one and lowers that ERA back down towards two. But now Milwaukee counters with their ace today and Corbin Burns. This game's set to go off in about five minutes at Miller Park. Andrew Haney, the retread from the Angels across town, has been good for the Dodgers. 1-0, mm-hmm. and 31 innings pitched, but an ERA of only one uh, $1.16. This game opened the Dodgers minus 115 on the overnight. It's moved to Burns minus 120 with a total of 7.5. Yeah, and, and look, Corbin Burns just keeps going along. Very effective season because Milwaukee, you've kind of seen a couple of their pitchers take a step back, even though Eric Lauer, a new addition, I think has been very solid. But Burns keeps rolling along. He's probably not going to win the Cy Young, though, based on what Sandy Alcantara is doing down there in Miami. Doesn't look like Mookie Betts is going to go in the lineup for the Dodgers today. I don't disagree with this move. Now seeing, I think, 115 right 
behind us here at Circus Sports, uh, and even some 118s in the market. So I don't disagree with the move. Probably going to stay out of it, but I look at Andrew Haney. I know a very small sample size, 31 innings pitch, but he does have a 324 on the XFIP, and I do look for those discrepancies, ERA to XFIP. So I think some regression is coming, but I think so does the market. Can't bet the total now, even though I like to bet those getaway early game day unders when both teams got to travel the next game. But now you're seeing some sevens out there in the market, so it's a stay away for me. Other early game I want to hit right now is the Astros and the White Sox goes at 110 Central Time from Cellular One in the south side of Chicago. 1110 our time. Um, Louis Garcia for the Astros here. Uh, Lucas Giolito for the White Sox. Another good matchup. Astros a dollar thirty favorite right now with a total of eight. You know, Giolito kind of hot and cold. Either you love him or you hate him. Right, <laughs> and and that's really what we've seen. I think that's been the cause for the White Sox to be kind of right around five hundred all year. Not not just their injuries in their lineup, but the fact that. Lucas Giolito, Lance Lynn have been a little bit cold. Lance Lynn, the last couple starts, though, has started to show a little bit of life, I think. Giolito, I don't know if we've necessarily seen that as of yet. I know when Josh Towers comes in here, I'm going to be interested to ask him about the AL Central. Have the White Sox finally turned the corner here because they've taken two or three in this series. They're finally like four games over 500 because they've been within 500 plus or minus a couple games, you know, pretty much all year. Is this finally the White Sox that we were all waiting to kind of see this year? So uh, Giolito, I think he might be due a little bit of positive regression. Small lean to the South Siders here, but no bet for me. Thursday night, we start week two of the NFL preseason with a matchup between the Bears and the Seahawks in Seattle. This is kind of comical to me, Wes. All right. So Pete Carroll comes out and says, Geno Smith is right now the number one quarterback, mm-hmm. but we're going to start Drew Locke tonight. The line sits at five and a half. Now Locke tests positive for COVID. Mm-hmm. So Smith, who's probably going to be their starter is starting, but we've seen a two-point line move in favor of the Bears. Seattle now three and a half uh, favorite in this game with a total of 40, Wes. Yeah, and uh, I, I got to think maybe Smith goes the first quarter. It might be Jacob Eason for about three quarters for Seattle tonight. QB rotation for the Bears, of course, Fields, Trevor Simeon, and Nathan Peterman. Uh, Bears had a nice little effort against Kansas City, I thought, in the second half. They got down early. Patrick Mahomes and the first teamers of the Chiefs went right down the field and scored and then didn't really do much after that. But in terms of what I'd be interested to do here, I, un- I unfortunately missed the number, and that's the thing about preseason. If you miss the number, don't chase it because these numbers are going to move a lot more rapidly because there's less money in the market and, you know, obviously a little bit more volatility. Everything's information based. So I missed the number in terms of the total because I do like the under here, but I would like it at like 40 and a half or 41 and not necessarily a 39 or a 38 and a half. So this will be something I might wait for like an end game to see if maybe if the first unit for one team scores early because you often see that. First unit scores, and then the over gets adjusted in terms of the in-game total, and then that's where you can come in. So, yeah, a two-point move uh, already. Who knew that Drew Locke moved numbers that much? (laughs) Uh, Both these teams favored to finish fourth in their division. The Bears minus 145 in the NFC North. Seahawks minus 225 in a tougher or more balanced, at least, NFC West. When you look at this market to have the worst record, right, fewest wins, I look at it as a three-horse race. I didn't necessarily include the Seahawks. I look at it as Texans, Falcons, Bears. Do you have a different opinion? I already actually bet the Bears at 12-1. to 1. Mm-hmm. I think there's still some places out there yeah. where they're 10-1-ish, to 1-ish, maybe plus 950 or somewhere around there. But, yeah, I think the Bears are going to be really bad this year. You already have Warcon Smith wanting to trade. You have maybe Robert Quinn's going to get some interest. There's always an interest in a pass rusher. So you, you expect that uh, Ryan Poles is going to get some calls there. But this is a total rebuild here, and Justin Fields, 
Dobbins, look, now he is the man. He doesn't have to wait behind Andy Dalton anymore, but he's got to look at that offensive line. That offensive line, Mike, is one of the worst in the NFL, might be the worst in the NFL. He's going to be running for his life. Matt Eberflus, first-time head coach, so... I don't expect a lot in the Windy City this fall. Our college football guide is out, and the NFL drops next week. The only way to get these guides is to be a VEASAN subscriber. $1.75 gets you all the way through Super Bowl. Speaking of the college football guide, when we come back after the break, we're going to focus on the two Rose Bowl conferences, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten. And I'm going to ask Wes, if Ohio State is so much better than everybody, why are they only minus $2 to win the Big Ten? That's next. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is presented by Zen Nicotine Pouches. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine. It's helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering both smoke free and spit-free satisfaction. Zen understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone is on their own journey. But whenever you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zen will be there for you. Check out Zen Nicotine Pouches at zen.com. That's Z-Y-N dot C-O-M. This product does contain nicotine, which we all know, especially Wes Reynolds, is an addictive I very much know chemical. that, yes. Thank you, yes. You and Derek. I always say that if Derek's, <laughs> Derek's around, around to Josh Towers, just he's, he's buzzing in and out but of the yet, studio here. But yet here. they moved the ashtray right outside of the studio here. Yeah, I, well, we're, we're encouraging you. Yes. Uh, Josh will join us in 15 minutes here. We'll break down all things baseball, including does he think the Yankees are going to win a playoff series this year? They'll be in a best of five, we assume, uh, in the second round. All right. College football guide, Wes, you've done a lot of work for that. Uh, you're really good on college football, as is my partner, Amal. Let's take a look at the Big Ten and the Pac-12 today. And, look, Ohio State's minus 215. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the guide, everybody that's been on this network, yes. everybody that bets college football regularly and, and, and does it professionally has said Ohio State towers over the Big Ten why are they only minus 215 then to win the conference? You know, Mike, with them all being out, I wanted to come here and crap all over Ohio State. You know that I do, being that I'm in that Eastern Division with Indiana, and they crap all over us pretty much every single year. I don't think we've beaten them since 1987, but I really can because I think defensively is where I'm looking at first and foremost. I think the offense is going to be dynamite. It certainly was yeah. last year. Smith and Jigba, the best receiver arguably in the history of the program, and that's high praise considering they've had Chris Carter and Joey Gallo and David Boston, Terry Glenn, you name it, a couple guys that go in the first round this year, and yet the position is probably still better with Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison Jr., who's got some pretty good genes. His daddy was pretty good in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but the defense really with Jim Knowles coming in, I think, from Oklahoma State. Ohio State, it hasn't been a talent issue on defense. They got four and five star guys all over the place. It's been kind of the fundamentals. This team, you know, they miss tackles, they take bad angles, they play undisciplined. Jim Knowles, I think, is going to clean that up because that's what he did at Oklahoma State. Remember how bad that defense was a few years ago in Stillwater under Mike Gundy? And he turned them around. They were a top 10 unit last year. I think they only gave up a little over 18 points a game. They've got a lot of talent. You know, they got the kid Sawyer who didn't start as a freshman last year, but was the number one recruit in the country, that defensive end. So they've got a lot of personnel. Tommy Eichenberg comes over as a transfer from Oklahoma. Actually, Tanner McAllister, I should say, comes over as a transfer. Tommy Eichenberg, very good linebacker, 17 tackles in the Rose Bowl. So I think that they do lay over everybody else but the team that I think might be the dark horse in the east in terms of the team that I think that is going to give them the most difficult game on this schedule 
I think it's Penn State. Oh, you're with Matt Eubens. He wrote a terrific article about that. I think it's Penn State (laughs) because, look, I like Mike Yurcich as an offensive coordinator. They had it rough last year because remember when Clifford, remember the undefeated matchup in Iowa City when Mm -hmm. Clifford got hurt and they put the backup in and he was was a fish out of water. He was brutal. And and, Iowa won the game with the punter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and against Iowa, who, like, led the country in interceptions Mm -hmm. last year, they were certainly in the top three. You know, you can't turn the ball over, and he did. And Clifford, I think, was never really right the rest of the season. He's had a lot of turnover in terms of offensive coordinators. He had Joe Moorhead. He had the guy, Sayaraka, who's now, by the way, back with P.J. Fleck at Minnesota. So, you know, he's got Mike Yurcich. I think they're going to be better in the second year. I think they've, you know, even though they lose Dotson, they have some good receivers with Parker Washington, Keandre Lambert-Smith. They got to run the ball, though, better. They were terrible at running the ball. And Penn State, you know, we kind of know them as, like, running back U East. They were 118th nationally in rushing. They did not have a 100-yard rusher all last season. So I think that's going to improve. I think the defense, even though they lose Brett Pry to be the head coach of Virginia Tech, they do get Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz, whatever you say about him as a head coach of Miami, a very good defensive coordinator, a very good reputation. So I think this defense is going to be better. Penn State, I think, is the one maybe potential upset alert for Ohio State. I, I still think they lay over Michigan State, who's been relying a lot on the transfer portal. All right, let's go to the Big Ten West. Maybe the most interesting of the divisions in in the Power Five. Wisconsin's your favorite at plus 190. Obvious quarterback issues there. For the life of me, I can't figure out why we think Nebraska is going to get so much better. They're the second choice at plus 360. Kurt Ferentz, who doesn't beat himself, Iowa's always there. They are $4. Minnesota plus $450 and Purdue $6. Who do you like at these prices to win the Big Ten West? I don't like Nebraska at that price, even though I think that they sh- you would think that they would get better with Mark Whipple mm-hmm. now as the offensive coordinator. But the dynamic that's going to be weird there is if Scott Frost is going to, you know, take a step back. He's always been the offensive coordinator. You know, he was at Oregon at UCF in the OC role. Now you get Mark Whipple, who's a pretty headstrong guy and obviously had a lot of success with Kenny Pitt at Pitt last year. So you wonder, okay, is Mark Whipple going to have the full reign here? And that's what kind of concerns me a little bit about Nebraska. I usually gravitate toward Iowa because of exactly what you said. They don't beat themselves. They are not a team that exactly thrills you when you watch them, but they're a team that doesn't make mistakes, and they're a team that forces other opponents' mistakes. Uh, how good they were in turnover margin. They they are very good ball hawks, and led the country in interceptions last year. They were they were number two in the nation at one point. They got exposed, though, because they were kind of living off those turnovers last year, so Purdue absolutely lit them up. Wisconsin did the same, but if Spencer Petras can just be a little bit consistent, because remember, he lost the job briefly last year and then got it back. They're always going to want Brian and Kirk Ferentz in Iowa City to be a little bit more creative offensively. They are not going to do that. They're going to be who they are. Kirk Ferentz has been there 24 years, so do you think he's going to change his stripes now? But one thing I do always like about Iowa is they can, they can run the ball, and I always say this. Nobody develops offensive line in college football better than Kirk Ferentz. So when you can run the ball and you can play good defense and force turnovers, they're kind of the team I like. Purdue could be sneaky here because their offense is going to be absolutely explosive. I like Minnesota at plus 450 because I think they're really going to be able to run the ball with Ibrahim mm-hmm. back. I, to me, I don't know if there's a better game manager than P.J. Fleck. I mean, the way he controls the time and score, and if they have the lead, my only concern with them is – they have to go to Camp Randall on that last Saturday, and there's a big revenge factor there. 
not on top of the rivalry game that they knocked Wisconsin out last year in that in that game in Minneapolis. So I, I, if I made a bet here, it would be on the Golden Gophers. I will say I think Kirk Syrock being back as the OC and the quarterbacks coach is very good because remember we were talking about Jacoby Brissett. He doesn't really go win games for you, but he doesn't get you beat. Tanner Morgan is kind of like that at Minnesota. He is the very same guy. Look, the schedule, I think, obviously very uh, for not exactly formidable early on. Then you go to Michigan State. So this is something I think you can just kind of like throw them up in a hat and the first one that lands on the yeah. ground, that's who you pick. All right, let's move out west to the Pac-12. This is the market that's seen the biggest movement here at Circa. USC opened uh, to win the conference around minus a, um, around plus $1.90. Utah was plus $3. We see it here where they're here where they're both around plus 225. At DraftKings, I know they're plus 220 for USC and plus 240 for Utah. Oregon, uh, the third choice at plus 280. And then you go down to UCLA at 9-1, to one, Washington, 14-1. Mm-hmm. to one. Certainly a competitive conference. And what do you think Lincoln Riley can do in year one at USC? I like Utah here. I've already bet I- him to win. I got him at 280. I do, too, and, and I actually bet them uh, as the dark horse to be that fourth team in the college football playoff. Look, Kyle Whittingham, it's a culture thing. They just out-tough you. Look, put in the Oregon tape twice last year against the Ducks. They just smacked those guys around, you know, and, and show them we're the tougher team. They went up and down the field, too, with Ohio State. I know they lost in the Rose Bowl. I know Ohio State had a couple guys sitting out there, Wilson and Olave, but still, the fact that you could go up and down the field with the Buckeyes and have really big game, Utah did cover to the number, didn't win outright, but... Yeah, I just think Utah's a little bit farther along. Lincoln Riley is going to recruit like nobody's business at USC. And the offense, I think, is going to be dynamic. But there's still holes on that defense, if you really look. And there's just not the depth there. So Utah is who I like to win the Pac-12. In terms of a surprise, I think a team that's not getting a lot of credit in the market is the Washington Huskies. And I know that they were 4-8 and last year. They fired Jimmy Lake. Kalen DeBoer comes in from Fresno State. DeBoer is a very good coach. I mean, you know, they're not going to necessarily out-recruit you, but they're going to out-coach you, and they just coach good ball. And I'm going to be interested to see who that quarterback is. Is it going to be Michael Penix Jr., who had the best year of his college career at Indiana when Kalen DeBoer was the offensive coordinator in Bloomington? So it's going to be between him and young Sam Heward, who is the son of Damon Heward, nephew of Brock. Heward, who everybody was calling for last year, and Jimmy Lake stuck with Dylan Morris, and that's why they ended up 4-8. and eight. Who is your other three teams in the playoff? Ohio State. Alabama. Alabama. Is it Clemson or Georgia? It is Georgia. Uh-uh. I, I, and I mean, it's kind of by default. I mean, they're just there. I know that they lose a ton of personnel, but I'm not convinced that Clemson's a walkover in the ACC. Number one, they got a good NC State team they got to deal with in division. Then when they go into that ACC title game, assuming they are there, Miami could be very dynamic offensively, so I'm not convinced of Clemson. I need to see a little bit more early out of DJU. He was a big disappointment last year. Uh, are you surprised Notre Dame ranked fifth to start the year? I was shocked yes. by that. Yes. I don't think they're a top 10 team. But, no, I don't either, and, 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 and that would be a team I'd still be looking to go uh-huh. under, and I know it's moved under a little yeah. bit, but Marcus Freeman, look, I like him, and I think he could be a very good coach there, but there's a lot of adjustment there, I think, for the first year. Notre Dame looks like an like an eight and four team to me. Yeah, and they catch Ohio State early. That's not good for them. They get, I think, they get run out. In the you very know, they're going to get brutalized yeah. in that first game, and that could cause bad momentum for the yeah. rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely right. All right, when we come back, Josh Towers is going to join the set. Can't wait to hear his take on this pitching matchup tonight in Atlanta. Jacob Degrom and Max Freed. That's next. Odds on. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
Want more betting insights to give you an edge? Of course you do. You're listening to VEASAN. Check out our Best Bets podcast. You can listen to daily sports betting highlights from the entire 24-7 stream of VEASAN experts. Tracking line moves, odds, props, wins, losses, and bad beats from sports books right here in Las Vegas and all across this great land of ours. Download the VEASAN Best Bets podcast now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back into Odds On. On my left, Wes Reynolds sitting in for Amal Shaw, and on my right, making his glorious return on a Thursday. I know we were traveling the last few weeks. Mr. Josh Towers, former Major League Baseball pitcher and World Series champion with the New York Yankees. But I want to ask this, because obviously of our podcast, one of the, the most popular is long shots which you do with Brady Cannon and, and Matt Humans. How many straight outright winners have you hit? Are you still I don't on know that how many straight. I'm on 13 this year. Yeah. Though, Come on, so. right, yeah. right, a little bit. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we've had a really good season. We appreciate all the support and everybody listening to us. And a uh, couple more weeks in the regular season, we're down to 70 in the playoffs for the BMW, and then down to 30 next week at the Tour Championship. Then they start that fall wraparound season. It's going to be a very tumultuous Ball, though, to see what is going to happen with this PGA Tour versus Live Golf. Can I, hey, real quick, I want to ask you a question since you guys do that show. Um, well, two things. One, you were getting animated talking about Ohio State. Mm -hmm. I need you to do that with them all here because it, it makes for good television. It's really awesome. <laughs> well, I want to I, I, I want to put down his team, but what yeah, the hell am I going to say when his alma maters kick our butts for like 35 years yeah, in no, a row? Just do it anyways. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and then uh, two, when... When Cam Smith is in the process of starting to, he squatted down, he's going to start eyeing his putt and go through his process of what he wants. And uh, Scotty Scheffler, who's a very class act, I think, walks in front of him. And at the end of the day, it's not, the, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal at, at their level. What did you think about that? Well, and, and do you think it is for all the reasons we think? It might have been social media blowing it up. Okay. Not that social media would ever do no, that. I mean, that. not that they would ever react immediately without right. figuring out the story, but... I think it was kind of a little coincidental, but look, the whole thing with Cam Smith, obviously he is rumored to be leaving yes, to sir. live golf. Uh, he is not in the field this week. He did withdraw with what his agent called a nagging hip yep. injury. So I don't know if that meant that he was mad about that penalty, which was a deserved penalty, by the way, after in the third round on Saturday. But the unfortunate thing was, you know, to penalize the guy 30 minutes before he's going to go, and that's when you announce it, you know, the timing. I don't think the PGA Tour was trying to be nefarious and kind of like, you know, jam him out the door, so right. to speak. But within the rules, I yeah. understandable. But man, that's yeah. He was. I mean, he just hit the ball. Uh, all right, appreciate you for that. Let's talk some baseball. Well, you're also a golf better, though, right? I love you it. Love yeah. it. I, I, I know don't it. bet it as much. Mm -hmm. I like matchup play. Yeah. He's a pretty good player, from what but I hear. I like too. Playing the game. Well, yeah, that's surprising. I didn't know he was that much great of an athlete. Now, uh, also besides long shots, you write up these uh, golf. Tournaments yes. in the Point Spread Weekly, which is part of the package for $175 through Super Bowl. So I enjoy reading the write-ups in there with uh, with you and Matt and Brady as well. All right, what a pitching match. I usually don't ask for picks till the, the second segment. But how about your boy? You've been telling me for several years how much better Jacob deGrom is than everybody else on earth at pitching. He comes back off the lengthy injury, three starts. How about a whip of .42 so far? A whip. Six, a whip of .42 in 16 yeah. and two. They're in, they're in Atlanta with a chance to split this series after they got run out in the first mm -hmm. two games. Maxi Scherzer wins last night. They got him a lot of run support. DeGrom. Like minus 120 or something. Yeah. And for first five. How about, and you get DeGrom here tonight against Freed, minus 125. Are you all over Jacob tonight? It, again, like I was saying the other day, Sandy Alcantara at home, who's the NSI Young Award winner, and you're giving me him a plus money. It plus just 110. Makes, it just makes no sense in the world. And it's the same thing. I don't care. Put a team together. I don't, it doesn't matter. It's Jacob DeGrom. And if you get Jacob DeGrom 
anywhere near to me when when there's now that we're in August and September it changes now right because winning teams and losing teams and call-ups and the lines are going to be like what the Cardinals were today minus 210 or something they're going to get out of control and so when you get a like a, a 125 on a Scherzer or a Jacob that's really plus money plus it's Jacob deGrom who's who's he's not he's Barry Bonds he's playing a different game than the rest of us like this is a no you just take it take the first five take the game but you just take it and whatever happens, happens. This isn't a research thing. Throw your numbers out the window. If he loses, so be it. I mean, we know Jacob DeGrom is 50 and 48 in his last 90-day starts. We know that, or the team is, I should say, right? Yes. But, again, it's been different since he came back. It's a lot more personal. And the line is just, you don't get lines like that on Jacob DeGrom. How much longer, Josh, do you expect that the Mets are going to stretch him, though? Because he went 76 pitches in each of his last two outings. Obviously, they want to keep him healthy for an inevitable playoff run here. But this is a big game. And Max Fried, obviously, he's been a big boy pitcher this year in his own right, has been tremendous. So still an underdog at home. So how much do you expect that they'll extend DeGrom tonight? Yeah, let him go. Uh, He went sixes last time. I mean, again, they're not going to run him nine. Right. But, like, his pitch counts, even though he's punched out 12 and 10, his pitch count has been really good. He's uh, has one walk in his three starts, right? He's only given up six hits as well. Yeah. Jacob deGrom is in full control. The beautiful thing about the New York Mets, y'all, and we talked about this as well, Mike, is the, the start of their season afforded Jacob deGrom the luxury of not rushing back. He didn't go down like Chris mm-hmm. Allen have, like, a, I think it was Chris, only had a couple, mm-hmm. one or two rehab starts. Like, he went through his process. He was in extended. He took his time. He's been playing baseball, and he's been building his stuff. He, he came back because he's 100% ready to be where he's at. There's no rush product no more. So if Jake wanted to go nine, he could go nine. Not going to do that. So I don't foresee him like, oh, he went six innings on 70 pitches. We better pull him. No, he's, a, he's, he's in a better spot than that. And this is the Betts, I think, Mets bullpen we've seen in a minute. Dodgers are plus 175 to win the National League and go to the World Series. Mets are around 270, 280. Do you like, I know you haven't been big on the Mets bandwagon, but is two, let's just say 280, is that enough of a price on the Mets to pull the trigger? You get Max and Jacob, you know, that's your one two punch. And remember, the first series, the, the, the wild cards, three games. The divisional rounds five games, then the championship and the World Series seven games. That's a nice one-two punch, at least for the first the the five-game series in the divisional round. Yeah, again, so all-star game, always the example. Great pitching always beats great hitting. Good pitching always beats great hitting. The Padres are prime example. Go get some better offensive mm-hmm. players. It doesn't make your team necessarily better. The Miami series recently, you guys were San Diego went to Miami, and you had Alcantara, and then I think it was Cabrera. Yep. Like, look what Cabrera's done in his six or seven starts. He has been – I don't even have words to describe how good or how dominant he's been, right? So now San Diego shows up in Miami, and you got to go Sandy, then you got to go Cabrera. And, and back you to got back Cabrera games. at plus 130 against Manaya, who hasn't gotten anybody out. That's my, <laughs> and then there's that, right? So, you like, it was a bad matchup as far as who started yeah. the series pitching-wise, and so Miami was in a fantastic spot. Now you get past those two dudes. I don't care who's next. You feel so much more relaxed. The Padres have a better day. So they win game three. My point is, is it's kind of like the Dodgers right now in Milwaukee. When you got Woodruff and Corbin Burns, this is the first time the Dodgers have been plus money back-to-back games or twice in a series in, in, in probably years, right? So, again, starting pitching and matchup play becomes very important. So there you go to your series. The Dodgers are fantastic as a team, right? They know how to play team baseball. They do a lot of things that that they stay in the game and they give themselves an opportunity. 
But Jacob DeGrom, we're talking about three-game series and four-game series. I just have to have the right setup with the right pitchers. I'm not using all five again. You're giving me Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom against anybody in baseball. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm the favorite. And we have a couple. Again, Corbin Burns and Woodruff could do it. Again, there, there's a lot of people that can do it, but that is the best one-two punch combination in baseball. And the other guys they have are pretty dang good. Is as well. Bassett your number three in a playoff series? Is Tyon Walker? It's not Tyon Walker. Okay, because yeah, he, can, be that, he can easily then throw seven out there. Carrasco or Bassett? I like Cookie a lot, man, because right. of his experience. I think he's uh, shown that he's learned to pitch with bad stuff this year, which has been the most exciting part. They're, they'll go Bassett. Yeah. Um, I just don't want them to like throw a starter in the pen and think that routes the play. It's not. Andrew McCutcheon homers off mm-hmm. uh, Andrew yeah, Haney yeah. in the first, so Corbin Burns stake to one nothing lead. Yeah, I was actually going to ask about the Milwaukee Brewers uh, with Corbin Burns, who Josh just spoke about on the mound. Josh, uh, after the deadline, the Brewers kind of seemed to lose their way, at least for a few games. I think maybe they were shocked to see their guy, Josh Hader, get traded yes. out to San Diego. So that plays into a psyche. But do you think now that the Brewers are starting to get over that, and can they chase down the Cardinals, who, oh, by the way, up 10 to nothing, Albert <laughs> Pools now number 690 Grand Slam? Good for him, right? Um so St. Louis is three up. Yeah, St. Louis has been playing so much better and taking advantage of it. That little transition, man, what it does is it puts Devin Williams as the closer. It puts somebody else in the eighth inning role. And not that they haven't done it, but now I have a set design role. And so when do I stretch? Do I set this strain time? When do I sit in the same seat? When do I drink my energy drink? Like all these thoughts start going through our head, even though the change is so minimal. And so that was the transitional thought. It was just mental for those guys for a split second. Um, as far as... Can they catch the Cardinals? Yeah, I, I, I've been on the Cardinals to win this division since the beginning of the season. But the Cardinals show us a, a lot of inconsistency with that team and with that pitching. And then obviously Milwaukee knows who they are, mm-hmm. and they're built to win series, just like we discussed with the starting pitching. So um, I think they could. I, I, I still like the Cardinals and, and, and have bets on the Cardinals to win, so I want to see that. But it's not, you know, it's not unrealistic. Uh, I want to ask you when we come back, yes, I want to ask you about the National League wildcard race and who you think is going to make it out of there. And then in the American League, how many teams advance to the playoffs out of the AL Central? One, two, or three? All that next with Josh Towers. Odds on. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook invites you to add some variety to your baseball bets with new same game parlays. Every game this baseball season, you can combine game bets and player props to create your perfect Bet Rivers combination. Whether you're looking to increase your payouts on favorites or make your own long shot, you can add a little extra spice on your game with same game parlays at Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app today and make your baseball same game parlays. The odds on Mike Palm here with Wes Reynolds sitting in for them all today and tomorrow, and Josh Towers on the desk with us as he is most Thursdays, especially when he's not traveling. Former Major League Baseball pitcher, pitching coach, worked for the Mets organization in the minor leagues, and won a World Series ring with the Yanks. I want to talk about Dodgers a little bit. Okay. And what Davey Roberts is going to do with his rotation. Now, we had Jeff Erickson on earlier in the week on Monday from Rotowire, uh, like baseball him. analyst. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. And he said. When Walker Buehler comes back, this was hours ahead of we knew Walker Buehler wasn't coming back. 
he thought Walker Buehler would be great in the Dodger bullpen. And I know Ooh. how you feel about asking starters and relievers to Ooh. change roles, but his argument was, who's going to be their rotation? Kershaw's yes. not going to the bullpen. No, never. Urias is locked in. He's won, what, 11 decisions in a row. Oh, well, he won 20-some last year. You've got Gonsolin at 15-1. and one. Who's been amazing. Tyler Anderson. Who's but those. Been- Equally amazing. But you, but to move one of those to the bullpen, you don't usually come with soft tossers in the middle, right? The sixth, seventh, eighth inning, you want somebody that throws harder. I wanted to get your take on if Bueller had come back, would they have used him? Would it have been the most effective role to use him in the bullpen? Wish we had an hour or two to talk about this, Mike. <laughs> wish we did. On one hand, you can't you can't overly shuffle your your team with Gonzalez and Anderson because if it wasn't for those dudes, you wouldn't be here, okay? Because Clayton's been hurt. Walker's been hurt. Very reliable guys. We're getting a lot more consistency out of Urias. Somebody will. We don't need five starters in the postseason, right? And we can never have enough pitching depth. It is that you get one, right? Remember talking about it. You get one. You get one starter to reliever transfer or, or, or reliever to starter transfer. And it takes time. It takes about a month, four weeks, to really get into the rhythm of each job and, and the transitions, right? So – you got to pick the right guy who can handle it. Somebody who's done it. It's not going to be Gonzalez. It would be it would be Anderson. Um, is Walker Buehler progressing the way Jacob Degrom progressed? It de- he's afforded the luxury because this team is so good. Um, but are they doing it right? Is his injury that injury where it's okay? Like I need to know more about that. I can't just be like, yo, it's time. He's got to be active and let's go. Um, Walker Buehler would. Definitely be a better addition to the bullpen. But who do you want? Yeah. Do you want Tyler Anderson starting or do you want Walker Bueller starting? Well, he has the uh, he has yeah. the stuff. And now he's out, so we will yeah. never find out. I think they're yeah. counting on Dustin May coming back too right. and being that guy that can throw a hundred out of the bullpen. But I right? gotta get innings in and, and, yeah. and I gotta see games before. It can't mm-hmm. be too late. It can't be a week. Yeah, and you look at like the middle relief to kind of bridge the gap. Like Ryan Pepiot throws really hard, but his problem yeah. is he's not finding the strike zone right he needs now. Innings, yeah. You know, seven walks per nine innings. So they would like him <laughs> to that's not work. gonna get Done no, the no, no, Josh no. had seven walks per season. I did have seven <laughs> walks in a season one year. Yeah. The National League, it looks like, comes down to for the wild card spots. Okay. Now we're talking about Atlanta's going to be there, right? They're so, so good. It comes down They're to so good, it comes down to the Phillies, right? The They're br- good. The Phillies. Um, Let's get Bryce healthy. The the uh, the the Padres, who are currently there right now. Um, two games ahead of the Brewers and five and a half games ahead of San Francisco. Is it going to be the Phillies and the Padres that get those last two spots? Ooh. Or do the Brewers or maybe even the Giants sneak in? Giants five Ooh. and a half back right now. Uh, no on the Giants. I like what they're doing. Um, the win the other day was massive with the with the 200 yeah. walk-off. It's big for your team. And they're in it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, again, it really is so, so close and so competitive. San Diego would be the team that you would think, but they're starting pitching as good as they are. They have to do a better job, and they're just not doing that right now. And is the bullpen solidified and comfortable? Um, you know that I never talk about offense. It's not what wins. It's not what's going to win late. But I'll say this to you. And Cronenworth did hit a home run um, that third game in Miami. I think they hit a grand slam in the first day. That's what it was. I, I, I Again, the pitching has to do their job, Wes and Mike. But Cronenworth has to know that he is not a home run hitter. You have home run hitting potential. But you are a 340 hitter if you want to. You work counts, you put the ball in play, you stay inside the ball, you go gap to gap. If that kid would commit to this, this team would take off to another level. I'm telling you, he is the, he is the wild card for me for this team. 
but the pitching has to get it done. Like again, we Manaya, like oh, you might go six and two, but you also go five and seven quite often too. That's not going to get it done. He's, Give he's, your team an opportunity to be a swing of the bat away. He's been a disappointment. I ask you this yes, real sir. quick: if you were drafting a starting rotation for the playoffs right oh, now, Lord. okay, and I gave you the eight eight starters from. From four from San Francisco and four from the Padres, and I asked them all this question and Mitch and Paul. Rodone, Webb, Cobb, Wood, and let's just say Darvish, Musgrove, Snell. What order are you drafting those pitchers in? And you need to pick three. What do you mean? What well, I'm gonna I'm gonna mi- I'm gonna mix I'm gonna mix the Giants starters and the Padres starters. Okay. I'm drafting Rodone first and Logan Webb second before I'm drafting Darvish, okay. Musgrove, or Snell. Yeah, d- you Darvish is my first guy. Yeah. You, sure. Would you take Darvish ahead of Rodone if you had to pick a pitcher right now? Nine days a week. You would. I, I, you are I, a Darvish I, fan. You are. I am, and I also love what, what Rodone has been doing the last mm-hmm. two years. I fully appreciate it because it was not the guy before. He, he was awful. Yeah. Comfortable, I'm never going anywhere. It got taken away, and it sparked this kid, and he's been amazing. But you're also now asking him to pitch in bigger game situations, and you Darvish has had his tail whipped in huge game situations in the postseason. And so I think just being able to back off and be comfortable, I think you Darvish is my guy, but I don't by no means I love what Radon has done this year. Josh, I year. want to switch to the American League. By okay. the way, Astros up one nothing over the White Sox bottom of the seconds. Trey Mancini with the solo <laughs> shot. Been kind of wasting away on the bench there for Dusty Baker. Use don't him a little it, bit Dusty. more, Dusty. But uh Play White him. Sox right now have taken two or three from the Astros. This uh, Astros could tie the series today, but sixty one and fifty seven, finally a few games okay. clear of yeah. five hundred that they have not been all year. Yes, sir. Do you think the White Sox do you think that this sudden think, resurgence is no, real? I think they're awful. I think they're god-awful. They wouldn't have won any game versus the Astros, but the Astros' bullpen blew the first two games late in the seventh and eighth inning, and you never see them do it. You also never see the White Sox come back. Watching Johan Moncada play against the Kansas City series was just shocking to me. The effort that he gave, the way I felt like he quit on his team, if you told me that he was throwing games, I would have 100% believed it, and I don't ever accuse anybody of doing that. I'm not accusing him, mm-hmm. but that was the effort that he gave, and there was no their their manager did nothing about it. He didn't. He took three, uh, I think three of bats, reached a fastball mm-hmm. down the middle, strike three, looking on top of it. Um, there was no communication with your pitcher on bunt defense. Watching Yasmani Grandal has been, and we knew he wasn't good. He wasn't. And if you go back to his LA days as a catcher, he was he was a liability behind the dish. Um, but they overly play him too, and he's not getting it done even offensively. And and everybody's trying to be the dude, and no one wants to be a team. This is watching the White Sox play has been. I almost wish I didn't watch full games because it's been such a disappointment to 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 where is the commitment within the players for each other, and mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm losing that with this team. And it doesn't just, again, it doesn't just flip the switch on. You know what? Frank Thomas said that actually a few weeks ago. It's like, where's the urgency, guys? And You're, they just yeah. haven't shown it. So, again, this series against Houston, massive. And my buddy Mike McDougall, I said all the time, he always says winning hides mistakes, right? And so if they just look at those two games as wins versus the Astros, arguably the best team in baseball, then they miss how it happened and then they don't they don't adjust or or, or – put themselves in a position to get better, right? They, they shouldn't have won those games, but they did. They have the ability, but I just don't see the commitment from anybody over there. Josh, you're in a good groove right now, picking yep. individual games. How about the Yankees? I know you had them last night. Yes, sir. And you got there with the grand slam by Donaldson. Yes, sir. Interesting pitching matchup tonight. Jays at Yankees. Berrios has been terrible awesome. away from home, especially awesome. away from home. He is 8-5, and five, but I, I, 
season ERA of 561. Montas comes from Oakland, starting for the Yankees tonight. He's been awful away from Oakland, right? He was only good at home, too. It's the greatest pitching place in, in the world to pitch. I'm looking at this game. Montas, a $1.50 favorite okay. over Berrios, but the total, eight and a half thoughts here. All right, five and two, three and six, five and two, three and zero, right? Like, they haven't really progressed them. I don't know what they're, they're doing that for. Yankee Stadium is a massively different, or Toronto is a massively different place to play outside of, uh, again, Oakland is, is, is it. You cannot and how can you bet any money on Barrios right now? The Blue Jays aren't playing good baseball. We, they, they've been exposed quite a few times. Um, I like the team. They have the ability, but uh, it's just like it, four and eight, three and two-thirds and five. He had one good game versus Detroit, and then that was it. Like he had a couple – like you can't lay on Barrios at all right now. Um I would love to. I want to see Toronto succeed. You guys know this, and I think the Yankees are are very, they're a bad baseball team. Right? Are, they, are the Yankees going to win a playoff series? No, this year? they're not doing that either. They don't know how to use their bullpen. They've destroyed it, and they don't know how to patch it back together. Now, again, we have six weeks to fix this. Okay, but in this particular game, walk off grand slam. The flight was probably awesome. I'm sorry, not the flight. Uh, the after hours last night was probably awesome because it was a good moment. I think the Yankees win this game. Josh, thanks for the time and stopping by. Stay tuned to Visa. And up next, it's Betting Across America.